Hey, hi everyone. Thank you so much for listening to Beyond Eight Figures. This is AJ, the journeyman entrepreneur with another Beyond Eight Figure episode for you. On the show, we talk with top entrepreneurs about the realities of building an eight-figure business, what success really means to them, and hear from them about some of their winning strategies and tactics. Tune in to each episode to learn how to grow your business beyond 10 million, and more importantly, create your own personal legacy. Hey everyone, I hope you're having a great day. I'm doing the best I can to keep cool in the heat wave we're having here in Southern Spain. So I hope wherever you are, you're staying cool. Today, we're starting a little bit around something we've talked about a few times in the past around bringing on experts in different areas. It's a little bit different. Today, we're interviewing a really successful entrepreneur who's done some amazing things on his journey, but also talking and diving deep into his current company and the software packet, the SaaS program that they're running, because I've been playing around with it and I really like it. And given a lot of the experience I've had in the past, I could see the value so much in this program. So I'm excited to dive in and listen to our guest today talk about how different companies can use this and the type of customers it's for. Today's guest is a serial entrepreneur who dropped out of college and has been a disruptor in the software service space. He's founded one of the ones that I think many of you will know, Invoice Sherpa. We've looked at it. We, One of my previous companies looked at it. We tested it. It was really cool. We ended up with a much worse product, so I'm disappointed that we didn't use it. And he was able to sell and exit from that. And that's only one of the many he's built and sold over the years. Currently, he's the co-founder of a high-level, I know this is going to be dopey when I do this, high-level product. High-level is the name of the company. You could say it's ClickFunnels, ActiveCampaign, Calendry, Woodpecker, Google Sheets, and much, much more wrapped all together in one package. But what it is, just a whole package of services that an agency typically would use in servicing their customers. It's really very cool and very well built from what I've been able to play around with. So I'm excited to kind of listen to why he's building it and ways of doing it. Matter of fact, one of the things I really am excited about it is with my current company that I'm building, Insight Labs, we have so many subscriptions to different tools, data, other SaaSes, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And over the years with many companies, I've had a frustration in trying to keep on top of who's using what tool, when and where. And if we have the right subscriptions, should they be annual, monthly, multi-user, et cetera, and keeping on top of that. High level, while this is not their main value, really does answer into how to deal with keeping track of everything. So I'm really excited to dive deeper in. Uh, this, but more importantly, I'm really excited to learn from today's guest about where he's been on his journey, what he's been doing, and how he sees high level growing into this great space. Because, like I said, I've been playing around and I'm really excited about it. So, please, without any further ado, let's welcome the CEO of High Level, Sean Clark. Hey, Sean. Thank you so much for showing up today on the show. I really appreciate you coming on. It's been really exciting going through your background and checking, as I just shared with the audience, about all the cool things you've been doing. So how are you doing today? Oh, I'm doing great. Just uh, just out on a family camping trip. It's fun to be able to work from anywhere. So today we're camping. <laughs> I know. I'm jealous. Is that a full-size RV or is it a camper van? What is, What type of style is it? No, it's yeah, it's a full RV. We're a rental kind of family because it's fun to it's fun to use them when you need them, but they're always expensive to maintain. So we like to give them back when we're done. <laughs> so you do this regularly. My son is eight, so it's a he loves he loves camping and RVing and all that at this age. So it's fun. We do it four or five times. My son still likes hiking and backpacking and camping, except when his girlfriend wants him around. <laughs> so <laughs> <laughs> that's right. Yeah. So no, I, have, that, I don't have that. Weird. I don't have that problem yet, but I can. It's in the near future, I'm sure. <laughs> yeah, that progression happens much faster than I, I had hoped for. But no, really, I'm excited to have you here. You've had a really great journey as an entrepreneur with different businesses and now of high level. Could you share with everyone here where you are in your journey as an entrepreneur? 
Yeah. I, I would say I'm in a, I don't know, maybe middle of the road someplace. I've done this long enough to feel semi-experienced. I'm smart enough to know that I don't know it all and that I'm still battling it out day to day, but definitely done a few things to this point, but really excited about what's to come on the horizon. Cool. Now, what kind of led you to start high level here? Because I would like, as an ex-agency owner, I'd love to dive into the value, but what led you to start this Yeah, I think like a lot of entrepreneurs, I saw a need in the market. So I had a prior SaaS company or software company, and I served all kinds of small businesses. It was accounting software. And I always like talking to my customers and asking, what else do you need? And what are the things you're looking for? And that kind of thing. And they'd always say the same thing. They said, we'd love more customers. And I'm a software engineer by trade. And so I thought maybe I can write some software to do that. And it was really that sort of walking that line down that led me to realize that not only could this be done, but almost how it should be done was different than anybody else was doing in the market at the time, which really led us to focus on agencies. And so that's kind of how we got to this moment. I like that. You started off with a different type of client needing some help with growth, but then realized that jump to then, and I'm just going to put some assumption there. So instead of the direct client to help the people who are already in the process of helping clients... Precisely. I think that a lot of, I mean, I've been in software my whole life. I've also been in SMB my whole life. And there's this sort of implicit assumption that what the SMB is sorely in need of is another tool to help them do their job or to accomplish something. But I think often what, and, and it's funny now that we are where we are, but I see this in other places too. If you, if I look at even the accounting firm that I use, for example, that we use some really good tools on the accounting side and but we don't use them they bring them into play for us so in reality while the tool is super useful and it's applied to our business it's applied on our behalf by these middle parties versus us going out and learning them ourselves and so really agencies are the secret sauce if you will in i think the smb's kind of success on the marketing and sales front and they just don't talk about it so it's not something they'll they'll really call out and bring to your attention. But if you spend enough time looking at it, that's exactly what you'll find. That is it. Yeah, it is true. Because it's also this concept that we are so involved. I know having been there, so involved in helping so many businesses get to that next level and struggling. But then also as a business ourselves, as an agency, that's a real, it's a constant struggle to make sure you're providing the right innovation, the right margin, the right level, and to keep your own leads, because if you're not pulling leads, it will get painful, as I know well from my own experience. Yeah, absolutely. And, and I think most small businesses are really good at the thing that they do. If you're a dentist, or you're a really good dentist, right? You're, that's your focus area. Ultimately, you need those additional new patients coming in all the time to continue to build your practice. And I think a lot of small business owners feel hamstrung between the thing that they know really well and this idea that they don't quite understand but know is important on the marketing and sales front. And that's where I feel like agencies are so critical to coming in and providing that value. So I think it's pretty awesome and it's a pretty great understanding. And it's I think it's led us not only to a business, but also quite honestly to serve that market better than they were being served. Given that you've had other SaaSs before, did you fund this yourself? Did you take on investments, partners? What was the process of starting this for you? Yeah, I've always been a bootstrap founder, so I did the same thing here. I What I did this time, though, that I haven't done before is I took on two co-founders who had really good expertise in areas that I wasn't as good at. And so I think that was a critical positive in what, what we did. And it was something where I just happened to know someone who I'd worked with for the last 10 years in other places who suddenly became available. So I roped him in on it. And then one of our early customers turned out to be a marketing agency and I roped him in on it. And really together, we were able to create this sort of powerhouse team that was able to go out and really go to market with this product. I like that concept and definitely think I, as someone who's bootstrapped agencies before, I've actually been involved with Teeny Seed. God, there's so many of these funds. Teeny Seed, I'm an LP with their investment fund. They're those guys who run Microconference. And... Oh, is that, isn't that the guy? Oh, what is his name? Who's the guy who who runs the thing? He owned a SaaS company before this, didn't he? Oh, what did he own? Was it... It got bought by lead pages. That's yeah. all I remember. I have to do this because I also have been talking with the guys who do Teeny Fund, which is like... it. I can't believe everyone has the same name sometimes in the business. So then I end up... So Teeny Seed is... 
is an early stage. God, this is really bad for me not to know that now. So Inir, Inir Valetze and Rob Walling. Rob Walling, that's the guy. That's the guy I know. Yeah. So yeah, I've followed Rob. I hope to get to meet him someday. He's a really cool guy. He, yeah, he did. He did drips. That's that was his his claim to fame. Yeah, everyone in the back branching, but now just the rise of bootstrapped and alternative SaaS is really cool because of the way you're able to build businesses now compared to even 10 years ago and the flexibility and everything. It's true. It is a little, it is a little easier, although I wouldn't, I, I still wouldn't say it's easy. <laughs> no, I think the tool, there may be better tools or there may be more tools. You still have lots of noise and it's still about how well you can understand customers. I think that product fit is still that extra fun piece. Distribution, I would say, is is often the biggest issue because the primary means of distribution are ads and those sorts of things. And a lot of the ad networks are already full of VC-backed startups who are basically flooding all those ad channels with lots and lots of dollars and acquiring customers at really terribly expensive rates. And they're losing money on a lot of that acquisition. And so I think the biggest challenge for a bootstrap SaaS founder is how do you go to market realizing that you're not going to be able to run Facebook ads or Google ads yeah. to acquire customers? Not on a major scale. Yeah. Have to step up. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. So what are you guys doing? If this is an issue for you guys, you know, how are you guys approaching this? We don't run, we run a little bit of ad, a few, a few ads now, but not many. Really our primary means of distribution is through our customer base, believe it or not. So we, we developed a very formulaic word of mouth strategy that has allowed us to really grow because we target, we're also very niche down. So we target a very specific community. So it's really about saying, okay, how do we first and foremost create the best product for that community? And as soon as we, and as we do that, how do we then make sure that every member of that community knows who we are? And so some of that is word of mouth from customer to customer. Some of that is working with influencers and coaches in the space and making sure that they're talking about the product as well and promoting the product. So it's really about creating this echo chamber within that group that fundamentally, I think, f- forms the base of our strategy more than anything. Cool. Yeah. Because I noticed you had an affiliate program. You have a bunch of ways for people to encourage them exactly. to share and benefit from sharing. Precisely. Yeah. Those are always good. Cool. As you're going on and building this, you have so many customers in here and your scale, where are you trying to move high level towards as this goes on? Where are you trying to move it up the ladder? Yeah, as boring as this might sound, it hasn't. the mission hasn't really changed from the outset. So we really wanted to help small businesses grow. And once we realized it's the agency who fundamentally makes that happen, it's, pr- it's pretty simple. It's a two-step motion for us. It's first, you know, get every agency on the platform. And that's a combination of getting the word out. It's a combination of adding features and, re- and honestly replacing a lot of the tools that the agencies today are cobbling together and stringing together with Zapier and that's the classic case. And so we've fundamentally almost finished that. We have a couple more items between now and the end of this year to do on that side. And then from there, it's about creating a revenue stream for the agency to go out and sell the actual platform to their small business customers, which we have very much today, and showing agencies, hey, look, here's a way that you can easily add on $400 a month in revenue per customer that's incredibly sticky. It's software-based. It's very scalable. You don't have to hire more employees. So from there, it allows us to go to market and get to a phenomenal number of businesses. So today, just as an example, we have over 10,000 agencies as direct customers, but through those agencies, we have 283,000 small businesses. And so we're able to already at a scale that is much beyond almost anybody else in our market doing what we do. It's really just about getting that 283,000 to millions and millions of customers. Yeah. And it is such cool because for the type of package you're offering, at least from outside, and I don't know if you have additional layers inside, but this is really pretty. This is (laughs) given that I'm building productized service and they got, you know, and I'm going to, and I try not to curse because it is really funny to see explicit warning on this, on the podcast, whenever I do. And it's usually me, not the guest, but it is just the amount of effing tools that one after another subscription. Oh, but we need this or we need that. And da, 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 da. And you guys at just under 300 bucks, that's pretty damn good. 
We're not done. We're not anywhere close to done. I mean, we'll keep laying them out. We have another plan internally that adds on some billing features and things. So by and large, 95% of the feature set is in the 297 plan and always will be. And the goal is really simple. I think it, it's going to be something that every agency on the planet will want to use for something. And really, honestly, through there, my goal is I really think agencies are the right go-to-market to help small business. If your goal is to truly help a small business owner with anything, you need they, they need more than software, right? They need a person who understands the technology, who understands how to use it, who can come in and help assist them. Because if you've ever talked to a small business owner, the last thing they're going to say is, I have a lot of extra time. If you're not providing any kind of service with the product, then I honestly think, unless it's truly automated, it's, it, in, in which case it probably doesn't do that much, it's just very hard to have an impact. And so I think ultimately looking at that gravity, you've got to find that person who can help. And oftentimes that person's already standing there. We discussed earlier how in our case, we have accounting accountants who help us with that. And they bring in things like bill.com and those sorts of products, like Spensify, things that I personally don't even want to know how to use, but ultimately help us as an organization. I think agencies are doing the same thing with high level. They bring it in as their platform, help their small business really thrive and succeed. And it's a win-win. The business gets more customers out of the deal. They're happy. The agency is able to scale their business and keep their customers longer. So they're happy. Um, and like you said, all for 300 bucks a month, it's not a bad deal. No, it is pretty good. That To provide that translation layer, it is. I think there's a lot of fun in there versus doing it all for them. It's look, there are tools, so many tools and so many capabilities that just to kind of thread the needle through that and find ones and have an existing working process where your agent, I can see agencies getting very, very skilled at high level. Do you have that like agency certification going the HubSpot route? So we will have a certification program later this year, actually. I think that's a really good question. But we're so focused on product that I, and, and this actually, this is a place where we need to find and continue to grow our team because we're definitely going to do it. We're going to find someone to help us. But I'm always concerned. I, I wake up every day and I just think, how can we make the, the agency more money today? Because like you're talking about productized services, what we found is every agency has a go-to-market motion where whatever the product is, the price point is always in the thousands of dollars a month. And I think what's tough for an agency and a small business is that price initially, if you don't know me, if you don't trust me, if I haven't delivered results for you before, is incredibly high. And so as a result, it's just hard to say yes to that, right? And then you have pure play venture-backed software companies who come along and say, hey, for 300 bucks a month, I can automate your marketing and I can make you so much money. And so boom, the, the business will say yes to that because it's cheaper. So what we're really doing for agencies is we're giving them that software product. We're, we're giving them the ability to say, oh, we have a $300 a month product so that they can get the yes, get their foot in the door, and then and do the value ladder play where you land and expand. And so that's where I feel like we can really help agencies crack the door open. I like that in having played around from traditional agencies to some weird, your range of kind of tools goes from that like very traditional, the more old school thing, all the way up to the funnel hacker world, which is a fun little world out there right now. I've been doing it, but yeah, having- there, definitely. There's a lot of people who are in that space these days. Yeah. And they never realize that there is like this whole- background of a similar service offering <laughs> it's no we're doing it completely differently yeah you're using different words <laughs> yeah yeah that's true that yeah la landing page builders and landing pages in general have been around for quite some time they're not anything sporadically new and honestly as lead capture methods go i think lead capture methods expand and mutate all the time but ultimately where we find the biggest drop off is in the nurture it's one thing to capture a lead but leads aren't customers and getting them from lead to customer that nurture journey that's the place where everybody falls down. And it's because most agencies aren't in the business of nurturing leads. They just want to hand them over to the business owner and walk away. And business owners, for their part, are not in the business of nurturing leads either. So who's that person in the middle? And so ultimately, the nice thing is high level automates the nurture process and that and helps bring those leads all the way through to generally what is, a, let's say, like a calendar booking is the most common, I would say where you're, you're, I'm either booking an appointment as a lead to come see you or for you to come see me or for us to jump on a call like this, right? One where it's a meeting of some sort or another. And at that point, the business generally does a great job. That's when I'm coming out to give you an estimate and I do this all the time and I know what I'm doing, but it's that middle section where leads fall, fall into nothing and ultimately 
the agency is to who gets blamed in that situation. The business owner never says, oh, you know what? I do a crappy job of following up on my leads. Therefore, I'm going to keep paying you. They, they always just say your leads are garbage. They didn't convert to customers. You're fired. Yeah, especially in the B2B world, there's so few direct, so few people are direct purchased right at the bottom. Most of us having been on both sides of it, it's more of, okay, this is something I would like to know more of. So then you get caught. And then the good ones expect you to spend time getting to know them. But too often, it's they forget that they're either talking to you or they give you stuff that has nothing to do with anything, or they just hit you over the head with, yeah, trying to convert you. And it is that nurture. Totally. Yeah, that's, you know, what was it? It used to be seven touches. Now it's like 30, 40 touches before the actual decision and probably multiple. Yeah, and it it varies. Don't get me wrong. It it depends on the vertical, depends on the offer, depends on this, depends on that. But it it always comes down to, I don't care if it's seven touches or 30 touches, the number of human beings I've met who can get through either is close to zero. And so as a result, it's just the kind of thing where you have to have the automation. And even if you have the greatest, most amazing Salesforce of all time that can do all of the touches um, that they say they can do, at some point, it's also just about labor efficiency, right? Do you really want your sales team sending yet another email manually when it could be done automatically? And then when the person engages with that content, that's when you want to bring that salesperson in and say, okay, do your thing. So it's really about trying to automate and, and, and make that process way more efficient. I like that kind of concept of enhancing because I do, I've done in the past a lot of work around sort of the overall equation of customer lifetime value and that nurture repeat those, the parts of the equation where you talk about how to get people to come back, how to get people to actually go from first contact to second. Those don't get the amount of attention. And I noticed you even have a cool product kind of jumping into a continued nurturing is that community for agencies offering that. I thought that was really cool because that's something you're starting to see a little bit more out in the wild and everyone's trying to build communities around products and stuff. So I like that. That's a cool thing to help keep the relationship warm. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I think that having a community is the right way to go, right? Because it's not just about, it's a less selfish approach to the process, right? It's, hey, it's, this isn't just about us and our, our information and our knowledge, but it's also about your knowledge and your ability to share that and also learn from other people, right? So it's a very d- double-sided equation. And when you watch it, it's a beautiful thing because you get people who are experts teaching people who are not yet experts and you get those new agencies and new people growing through that community. I, I, think, it's our, I think it's honestly our best asset. A little bit before, as you and I were warming up just a second ago, you were talking about the ability to share. Now, obviously, this is a podcast, but we do keep everything in video and we will be, everyone, audience, we will be moving things onto the YouTube and then onto our Facebook group for that. Would you like to walk us through some of these yeah. things? Yeah. And let's keep it also very verbal. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Way. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. So hopefully, can you see my screen here? Yeah, Law Hustle. So this is a perfect example of, of kind of high-level incarnate because at the end of the day, so this is www.golawhustle.com. They're the agency here. And what's cool about it is, and, and hopefully my limited Wi-Fi internet will, will do its thing, but ultimately for them, it's that their, their customers, right, they don't see the high-level brand. They see the Law Hustle brand. So when they go to uh, high-level to log in, they're going to see this login screen here. And, and it matches their website there. And then also, if you go and, and you go to the app store on your phone and you want to download them, they have both an iPhone app and an Android app, which uh, will load up here. Yeah, here we go. And so you can see very quickly that this white label approach on the agency side is key because as you're trying to serve the, the attorney, what we want to make sure, right, is as Law Hustle serving, in this case, Visionary Law Group, which is the customer here. And this is actually their website here, you want the attorney to really focus on the agency and see the value there. And again, and then from there, the big focus of our system is we always think of it as capture, nurture, close. So everything you need to capture, everything you need to nurture and everything you need to close. But if you think about what is it that every agency's mission is, it's really to create more customers. And so from the get go, we're very focused around, hey, look, we got you 598 opportunities. That's not leads. Those are leads that actually came in, went on a campaign and responded. So they're like hot leads. And then pipeline value. So you, we generated you a potential of 1.182 million. 
And then you've closed so far this month 6%. So that's $74,000. So what's great is the conversation to the law firm is, hey, look, we made you $74,000 this month. How do you feel about that? And that is a lot better conversation to have than going and say, you got this many clicks and likes and leads and conversions and da which none of that really matters to the law firm, right? They just want to know how much money did you make me? And I think that's not unique to law firms. I think that's every small business. And so we really built the platform from the get-go. But before you dive into the tools and you go deeper and all that, here's the results that the agency's getting you. And this is what creates a lot of retention on the agency side. I like this a lot. Now, when you were saying the app, just before we go too far in, so you guys are providing the wrapper yeah. and they're providing, so the, the eventual customer puts the content in, but you're providing the wrapper to your agencies and then the agencies, your clients, and then they're pushing it to their customers. Exactly. Yeah. So we're, yeah, because every agency has their unique formula, right? And so every agency coming into high level puts their unique stamp on it. And so it makes it so that it's not, it's different from person to person, but it allows you to, to build on a base platform that has all of the, the capabilities that you need to create that secret sauce. And so you're able to come in here and actually talk to the customer and and show them not only all of the things you've made for them, but also bring them into the system. Like here, this is the conversation screen. And you can see, you can actually go back and forth over text, over email, all of those good things. And then you can see here, for example, they're actually doing a review request, which is cool. And this is part of a reputation management product. You can help these businesses generate more positive reviews. And again, it's this two-way street. So it has all the all of the products that the agency needs to run their business, but also all of the products that the small business needs to come in and interact with their customers. From looking at the a little bit big, but given the fact that you're providing the app process, that's a sticky level because obviously not just your your customers, but your customers wanting to not have to deal with changing up and all that. That's a great moat. That's a great level. And then these workflows, because having spent a lot of time building these in many different processes, it's not just the tools, it's the workflows around how to use these types of tools and everything that get pretty involved. Yeah. So this is why we like agencies, right? So we can come out with a tool like this. This is actually our workflow builder. And then you can actually create these visual workflows. But even a tool like this, which I personally think is very simple and very easy to understand, the average small business still doesn't know how to to do much of this. And instead of just saying, ooh, here's a fancy tool, what we like is, in this case, Law Hustle is going to come in and build these workflows out for Visionary Law Group. And Visionary Law Group isn't going to see this full left menu, right? They're they're not going to come in here and they're not going to go to the email builder. And we don't expect them to, you know, come in and do some, you know, really cool drag and drop email. That's the job of their agency to do, right? They might help them with the content or help them with the design to some extent. But fundamentally, it's actually about the agency coming in here and doing this work, creating these campaigns and all of that. So that's why the tool set is there for them. But then things like CRM and contact management or conversation management, places where the law firm honestly has to do the heavy lifting, that's where I think it's important for them to step in and do the job. So that is really, truly where, really, truly where these two entities come together. But again, it's on that same platform, so it makes it very simple to coexist and, and cohabitate. I would love to know. Get almost back to the question I asked you earlier. When you were looking at this and deciding to do this, given how much is here, and I don't like using the term Swiss Army knife because sometimes that what this is have been out for a few years, so I know SaaS has moved on, but definitely from my past. Oh, we, we, we deliver at a, at a torrid pace. We definitely have a feature set that rivals most other apps and certainly most apps are and any app our age. But again, I think this also owes to our structure. We are engineers and product people more than anything. And we're not salespeople. We're not marketing people. And lucky for us, we've really linked up with a community that's great and fantastic at that. So it lets us come to work every day and focus solely on creating the product, solely on creating the feature set and really relying on the community to do the word of mouth and to do the marketing and to do the distribution so that we, we can focus and do the thing we need to do. I have a good friend who has a SaaS program for security workflow process. So they build a workflow tool for the security engineers inside large companies. And they've identified like 16 parts of the security workflow. And they focused on one segment of it. And I would massacre if I even tried to <laughs> what he calls the people. Yeah, that seems like that. Yeah, that seems like a very enterprisey 
kind of thing that's way over my way over my head but <laughs> at the same time he his goal is as they keep growing and growing they've expanded from that one to the other two on each side and then a little bit more did you guys go in with say look let's just get the dashboard or the conversation you know was it one piece yes so could you focus the, yeah we focused yeah absolutely so when we first started talking to agencies the problem that we ran into first was leads not converting to customers. So it wasn't that they couldn't capture leads. It wasn't that they didn't have a a funnel builder or any of this other stuff. It it, it wasn't because they didn't know how to run ads. It was just because they couldn't convert the leads. And so we looked at that and we're like, the big issue there is the nurture process. So what we did first actually is build what we call campaigns. And campaigns are literally this really simple idea that is incredibly effective and completely overlooked by most people. But when a lead comes in, you've got five minutes to get to that lead. And if you get to the first five minutes and they don't, and this is back to your touches concept, it's where this comes from. If they don't convert off that first interaction, it's following up with them as long as it takes to do that. We automated that process. So when, in this case, a lead comes in and it's like, hey, you're going to get an SMS, you're going to get an email, you're going to get a, they're going to get a phone call during business hours from the law firm. Then, if, and then they're going to get another SMS and then it's going to wait um, till 8.30, then 10 hours later. So the next day, and then it rolls over to another campaign. And the idea is you're going to keep getting hit up until you decide to answer back. And then if you answer back, the campaign will stop and then it'll actually alert. In this case, it's an attorney, but often it's a salesperson of some kind or another. And so that's literally the place we started. And by doing that one thing, we were able to fundamentally change the lives of many digital agencies. And then from there, like you just described, in our case, that was the middle of the funnel. So we grew up and we grew down as we went and you built things like the opportunity flow where you can go in and actually track all the leads through your pipeline at all the different stages that they're at. And that's more on the, that's after they respond. And then we went in and we did things like we built uh, a full funnel builder, for example, in, in order to help facilitate, again, the capture process, which, you know, and, and this is just how we continue to go is like up and down and just kind of keep going farther up and farther down. Yeah. And this, yeah, I'm looking at this and I'm like, all right, now I'm like, all right, how did it, the amount of data, your data exhaust has to be amazing. Just because what I play around with a lot is how to decide, develop the logic around stuff. You're seeing so much data around what works, what doesn't. I saw that you had the ability because you were saying the follow-up and the piece, like, oh, you said it for it, but are you guys developing your own data tool, your own flow, your, you know, I won't touch AI because sometimes that gets overdone, but are you guys providing, starting to look at, we play in the small business space. And so if, as I look out into the future, I think the following becomes very obvious. There's a huge shift to messaging and this will only continue. There's a massive change coming to, let me see if I can find the right screenshot here to Google this year. Here we go called Google My Business Messaging. And what that means is simple. When you look up a business, you'll start to get this chat button right here. And so instead of actually having to think about Google today, you come to Google, you do your search, and then you leave, right? You like you call somebody or you click on a website and get out of there. But now this totally changes the game. You're going to come to Google and you're actually going to stop. You're not going anywhere. And now you're going to do your research. Oh, 79 reviews. Let me read those reviews. Oh, wow, this person seems really great okay, now I know what I need to do. I need to actually chat with them because I can. It's simple. It's easy. It's an in-browser experience. And so if you go along that logic line, right? So let's say web chat, Google My Business chat, just a, a bigger shift to messaging. I think the business of tomorrow will have a great deal of inbound flow from messaging channels. And it will be no different fundamentally from the phone in that they miss phone calls like crazy and they're going to miss messages like crazy. And so I think what we are in the process of standing up, and this will actually go live for us next quarter, is a sort of done for you AI backed, but human or, or, you know, AI fronted, but human backed. And I think that's a very key piece of this done for you lead nurturing service that we will then basically bring out to market and sell to the small business direct because I think that is the future of how this will get done um, today. And I do think it will evolve into more sophisticated AI flows as time goes on, certainly. But for today, if you're truly trying to solve the problem well, you're going to need a combination of both people and and AI. Yeah, AI is great at looking at pattern or thing, but it's horrible at like then deciding what to do with it. Totally. Yeah. I think of AI as almost like being an assistive technology at this point in history. I think it can make the job 20% easier, 40% easier, something like that, but it's not going to, I don't think it's going to be the solve all 
solution that it's advertised to be. I think that's more science fiction currently than science fact, but not that it won't get there, but I think that's the better way to think about it. As an entrepreneur, you've just outlined a really big market there in a big opportunity. Is this, what is your goal here? What are you trying to do with your journey as an entrepreneur now? I think this is, uh, it's interesting because this, it almost feels like I'm coming home because my very first business that I started was an answering service of all things. And I got an opportunity to see the power of turning a missed phone call into a new customer for a small business and saw the impact that it had on those businesses because those missed calls were almost always people trying to buy stuff. And I'm truly excited about this opportunity to honestly do this again, but this time in the messaging space, because I think there's a lot of correlates. And again, I think we can help almost any small business out there. And, And my goal is to try to find a way to continue to promote small businesses and small business growth. And I think the biggest way to do that is to help them get more customers. And the simple truth of it is, Many of them today have a a lot of leads um, and potential customers coming across the plate and they just simply don't know they're there or they miss them. And it's just the fact, if you miss that customer, they're just going to move on to the next person on the list and that's not going to help your business long-term. So I think there's a big opportunity to come in here and help play a positive role in helping those businesses convert a lot of those leads into new customers. To look at something so big, looking at something like this, do you think about how big you need to grow the company? to achieve it in the time frame you want or take outside funds? Do you think about it that way? Yeah, I don't really... Yeah, to be honest, I think it's always... It's been very organic as we've done it and I don't know that has to change. There could conceivably be a moment in time where we would need to scale up quickly. We have been really big fans of enabling other people to succeed outside of ourselves. So we have an open developer API as as an example, and it's been tremendous because not only on a scale perspective, but just on a creativity perspective, you can't do everything, even if you think you can. And also, I think it tends to make you become a very selfish company. And so we've prided ourselves on trying to bring other people in. And I don't care whether those people, some of them are competitors of ours. If there are other people who can help our core community thrive. I think that's the right attitude and the right way to do it. And ultimately, I take the same position here. So like for me, it's honestly, it's about getting this this type of service off the ground and then just trying to find partners who can help us scale it up. Because I think long-term, it would be better to have, call it 10 really good partners running 100, 200 employees and doing this kind of on their own and then trying to take this all in-house and ourselves have a thousand employees doing it. Yeah, that becomes a a big risk structure versus a leveraged relationship. Yeah, you could try to raise funds, and I'm certain some people would try to do that. But again, how do we grow small businesses, right? In some cases, it's helping them convert leads to customers. In some cases, it's helping them build a business. And I think that's a better way to be. And this, if you think about how many people will, under their own motion, wake up every day and go out and just kill themselves to try to to do an amazing job when it's really their own business. I think you'll find a lot of people to do that versus you could raise infinite amounts of capital and have a very hard time trying to motivate someone with a paycheck to work nearly as hard as another entrepreneur. There's only so much, and I think, in this world. Now, and even jumping in, then I have one one big question for you. Before I jump in, do you see the fact that you guys are, you're not a, well, medium, because I know the equation or the definition of a medium business is larger than most people ever realize it is. But given that you are bootstrapped and you've gone through this yourself, do you see that putting you in a better position to understand your customers? Yeah, that's uh, absolutely. I mean, at the end of the day, it's really simple. When you actually have to make a profit, when you have to actually spend money wisely, when you, you know, actually have to work on a Saturday and a Sunday, most weeks, all of a sudden, you can really empathize a lot more with your customer who is doing that exact same thing on their own. And I understand why people take capital. But I also think there's a double sided sword there. And on one hand, sure, you can get more resources on all of those things. But all of a sudden, spending other people's money is a lot easier than spending your own. And having that cushion ultimately makes you feel better. It, it probably helps you sleep at night, but it also could also make you sleep a little too much at night. And so ultimately, keeping yourself aligned with your customer like that, I think is critical. Given that you've chosen a really big problem opportunity for yourself, what would you like to do to create your own legacy? You have a child and if it means like putting a name on a building, okay, but what does building a legacy mean to you given what you're trying to do here? That's interesting that you'd ask that. I'm I'm reading a book right now called The Psychology of Money. And he talks a lot about people who find themselves wealthy one day and oftentimes 
can't sustain that because instead of looking at their success and saying, okay, that, that's good enough, right? That's great. I, I, I should be happy here. It, the number of people who end up with $100 million in their bank account and suddenly decide, oh, you know what? I, I hit $100 million. Let me see if I can get to a billion. It, it's huge. And so I think my legacy is just trying to define being okay with the fact that you've done something good in the world that's sustainable and not having to feel the pressure of doing something 100x larger than that. and But just being okay that you're helping people every day and feeling good about that and trying to take your ego out of the equation and not you don't need to be the next Elon Musk to be happy with your outcome. Cool. I, it's funny. I've seen that title. So no, no names on buildings for me. Okay. No <laughs> names on buildings. No. Yeah. I, there are a couple there spray painted, but hopefully I won't get caught from this. Yeah, from exactly. <laughs> so I like that. The psychology. I've seen that there's a guy, Mike Boyd, who talks about the emergence of family business or family funds, but not the big gazillion dollar ones, but like the million taking on some of the characteristics of a family fund or a family business, these 50 million, but for a much smaller point, I think he referenced it. I'll have to look that up because you're now the second person who's mentioned that. Yeah, I got it as a gift here recently from some people. And on our camping trip here, I've had a couple minutes to, to read it. And it's it's been surprisingly insightful. But yeah, I mean, I, I love hanging out with my son. He's phenomenal. And it's great to do family things. And I think it's about creating that sustainable life where you can you could be an entrepreneur, you can achieve the dreams that you want to achieve, but you don't have to do it by just, you know, destroying your family life and those sorts of things. I would say if I was 20 years old, again, I would just be just killing myself right now, like I did when I was 20. I would highly recommend you work six or seven days a week. So you don't really have to worry about it at that point. But when you get to my age, I think your perspective starts to shift and you realize there are other people in the world that you're responsible for. And I think as a result, you need to create a scenario that where that's more sustainable. I agree. It's more fun to look at entrepreneurism as a tool than a means. All of a sudden, you get the flexibility, the RV, or to build things that are going to be around what you want to see versus having to chase after the dollar. So it's really cool that you're doing that. Exactly. Before I let you go, how should anyone who's interested in learning more about High Level? We'll put links to the site. Definitely check out the website, although the website, it does not have the most content. It's a funnel itself, so it's designed to get you through it. But yeah, definitely check out the YouTube channel. I think we've done a really good job putting a ton of content out there that is both about our platform and all of that. But we also, again, because we're very community-minded, have some of the smartest, uh, best um, people in the agency space on our YouTube channel talking about what they do, which I think is oftentimes way more valuable than what we do. So I think that's a definitely a great resource. Cool. I will definitely have a link to that in the show notes. And look, Sean, I'm very jealous of you in the backwoods of Oregon. Hopefully you're far away from the heat <laughs> and everything out there. But um, very, very far at the moment. <laughs> very far. <laughs> well, good. No, I, I really appreciate you coming on the show. This has been great. I, I'm going to go. Yeah, it was great to be here. Thanks for having me. Oh, no problem. I hope to have you back on again. This is very cool. I like how high level is very cool from someone who's done, been through the trenches with a lot of those tools and the specific ones. It would be nice to trim it down. Cool. I agree. All right. Hey, thank you very much. And I can't wait to talk to you again. Sounds good. Bye, AJ. All right, everyone. <laughs> Sean driving away in his RV of his family to uh, finish up his vacation. I am really jealous. We'll post the video soon. But God, I would love to take a vacation in an RV. It's, I think, well, like a lot of us during lockdown <laughs> of this past year, <laughs> RV and camper vans have really taken on a huge bit of my imagination. So I'm jealous of Sean. I really hope you learned a lot from this show today because I think there were some amazing things as an entrepreneur that really resonated with me and things I want to explore more and how Sean's approaching things. It's really interesting for us. You really, this wrapped two concepts that we've talked about. You're constantly told as an entrepreneur, you got to get closer to your customer. You got to live their life. You got to be asking them questions. You got to be engaging with them, learning, learning. As my own company, Insight Labs, we talk about creating a learning organization. But what Sean did is really pretty cool because he combined it with the concepts of entrepreneurial journey that we've talked about again and again on the show. He 
in his last company was constantly asking his customers, like, what can I help you with? What's really bugging you? And one of the things that kind of kept coming up again and again was, how do I get more customers? And that wasn't even what he was in the realm of doing. So after he sold that company, the fact that he kept that and with his additional experience, partnerships, and just abilities, was able to really hit the ground running with high level. And that's pretty cool. That's something where, yes, the entrepreneurial journey is not just our ability to weather additional high levels of pain <laughs> or strategic capability, be able to develop strategic processes or be able to handle you know, more complex situations. It's the ability to realize we've seen situation, we've seen opportunities in the past that we may not have been able to handle or be able to use, but now in the space we're at, we can. And so, you know, when you're going out and trying to understand your customer now, remember, there's nothing that is ever useless because you may at some future point be able to take that data. Hopefully it's helping you grow your current effort and better understand and better focus it and dive deeper and deeper. But this is a great opportunity for potentially your future opportunities to grow. Getting to know your customer. Next is, as I talked about why I love high level, is this ability to handle so many different tools that I have felt in the course of building various businesses over the years. I get frustrated with the cost and just the utilization and the constant making sure we're using them. But his approach and the yeah, and then how he's built this his business is let the expert bring the tool. Too often I've been involved and I know I'm guilty. I've been guilty of this and I know other entrepreneurs I've talked with. We get sold on some cool tool, SaaS, XYZ, and are like, wow, this will be the best thing ever. Or the marketing for this tool so focused on how great it is, yet it has a very specific process and capabilities and needs for utilizing it in a successful manner that you get overwhelmed unless your business really bends to it, especially on non-critical role, finance, accounting, XYZ. Having experts be able to bring in the tools that they understand, that they know how to do, and then let them be that translation layer. That's an interesting thought process. And I love that Sean has even taken that further to build his business model around it. But if nothing else, this idea of don't focus on the tool, focus on the who for the why part of it. I think we too often jump right at the tool and at the base level, realize maybe you can find an expert to take care of that. They ask who, not how, you know, for something and let them bring their tools in. So then preferred tools. So then you can incorporate that into your organization. And if you want to take it to extra level, like Sean has, is look at it as a business model. That is a really cool concept to really provide these people, provide someone with the toolkit that they could go serve someone else. And you just serve them and let them build the broader message for you. Really cool with high level. I'm really, I think I've only a gazillion times mentioned this is something I really am looking forward to exploring more because what I'm seeing is really very cool. And lastly, as someone who runs a company who focuses on helping businesses understand their growth opportunities and what they should be focused on, Sean realized very early on with high level that they couldn't compete in the SaaS place with VC-backed firms around. Paid media is a wonderful tool. I've spent millions of dollars on it and made a good amount of money for my clients, for myself. But as Sean has pointed out, it does become an arms race. If you're competing in paid media with someone who has a much higher budget, the ability to lose money per loss, per sale, not per loss, per sale. It's hard to keep the game going. So looking how to change and use other tactics, other methods to go is very interesting. And this is where I think Sean showed just the level of experts, just the additional word he added, because I've seen a gazillion things for build a word of mouth campaign and other various discussions. What Sean said was they've built a formulaic word of mouth. And that was just so music to my ears. Too often people look at so much of the no, you must do X 
the marketing gurus that oh, you need to be doing X on Instagram, TikTok, blah, 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 blah. Maybe not in B2B as much, but they don't realize that true success from a marketing growth point of view is about the process, about the ongoing effort, not the individual actions you take. It's the string of actions. It's what you do and how you learn from this. The fact that Sean realized that by their product team focusing on such deep into the needs of their customer and building this great thing, that they could actually focus on just getting people to know they exist and that they have this effort level on their needs and building it into a learning structure. What coaches, what influencers, what com- what content out there is talking to their customers? Rinse and repeat. How could they get deeper? What was more interesting to these people? Once again, building that understanding and coming back to it, coming back to it. what could they do? What could they learn from that experience, that experiment? I'm saying experiment, Sean didn't call it that. But taking it again and again to just dive deeper, we all talk about understanding our customer avatar, our customer profile, our customer. But the deeper you go into it and the more you try to do efforts and understand how that gets you closer or not, since most efforts don't really work the way we expect them. But for us to understand why they do or do not work, I think is really powerful. And it is something I know I try. I definitely tout, and it's something I try and build into all of my customers' lives, into their marketing and growth efforts. But to see Sean using that as such a core piece of how high level is growing, it's very cool. And something I'm going to be reverse engineering and exploring a little bit about how they're doing too. So a lot to learn, a lot to take away and play around in our own businesses. So I hope once again, this was something worthwhile. Please reach out, let me know how you're finding these episodes, what we can do to really make it more. We'll have links to Sean and to High Level down in the show notes below. Really check it out, especially if you're an agency. I think there's a lot there. Now, you may have your own structures and processes in place, so don't just toss them over the boat so you can try something new. But look at this. I think we're going to see a lot more from high level moving forward. And as always, check out our social media links below. Drop us a note, follow us, and let us know what you think. It's always cool when someone reaches out. We had someone in Austria reach out to show us that we were in the top 20 in the Apple podcast for entrepreneurialism. So Thank you, Land of Schnitzel. I know Austria is more. Just, that's my lame love of Austria. But no, it's really cool that people, that you let us know. But always tell us what you want us to talk about. What do you want us to dive into? I mean, this is all about us going on this journey as entrepreneurs together. So thank you. All right, everyone. I hope you had a great day listening to this. I hope you learn more. I can't wait to talk to you again. Have a wonderful day. Goodbye. This episode of Beyond Eight Figures is over, but your journey as an entrepreneur continues. So if we can help you with anything, please just let us know. And if you like this episode, please share it with someone who might learn from it. Until next time, keep growing and find the joy in your journey. This is AJ, and I'll be talking to you soon. Bye-bye.